Thanks for tuning in to the hottest talk radio show around. Providing an open discussion for some of the most important social issues and trending topics today. From personal growth or spirituality to sex and relationships, no subject is ever taboo. So prepare to be empowered, enlightened, and entertained during another episode of the award-winning Let's Face It with Will Strayhorn and Friends. Real people, real topics, real talk. Thanks for tuning in. It's Tuesday, April the 2nd, 2019. Back again, let's face it, with Will Strayhorn and friends. I am your host, Will Strayhorn, and I am proud to be back in the studio with my girl, my ace, my my ace, Boom Coon, Miss Paula B. Welcome back to the show, Boo. How are you? I'm doing well. How are you, bro? Doing great. Doing great this rainy day. It's been rainy, kind of. This is cuddling weather. That's why I kind of like yes. it. Kinda- Yes, very it cuddling is cuddling weather. weather. I yeah. got me a brand new um, uh, body wait, pillow, wait, wait. so I'll oh, be okay. Okay. Yes, it's okay. really nice. I get, okay. So I'll be cuddling. I didn't now. know where you were going, but okay, thank you. Okay, that's good. I know. Were you nervous? Yeah, I was very nervous. <laughs> very nervous. Yeah. I mean, I don't owe you anymore, so you can pretty much say what you want to say, but I just didn't know what you were going to say. I know, yeah. your fee for that. I'm glad because, you know, I love to be transparent, as transparent yeah, as yeah. possible. Yes, yes. So how's your week so far? I know we're only in day two, but how's your week going so far? It's going really well. Like you said, it's cold and it's rainy outside. You know, it's yeah. been a in tough, the spring. tough it's couple. Spring. Yes, in the spring. Spring has sprung, but, um, you know, I'm, I was born in December, so I really like the fall and the winter months. And one of the reasons why, because the fashion and those months are amazing. I don't like being hot. I don't like sweating. You can wear makeup in the in the fall and then the winter without your face melting off. Um, right. It, it just do so many things. I mean, I, I like the spring, but I don't like it. I like 65, 70 tops with a little breeze. That makes me happy. But you're talking about 85, 90, and I'm sweating and trying to look cute at the same time. All of that doesn't go together. <laughs> yeah. So, it, doesn't, it so, doesn't go together. So you made a point. So depending on what time of the year you're born, does that mean you're supposed to like that type of weather? Typically? That's what they say. Like my, um, I have my girlfriend, I have one that was, one of my friends was born in, August. She loved. They uh-huh. love the hot weather. My other girlfriend right. was born in April. They love the hot weather. You know, love yeah. it, love it, love it, love it, love it. Me, you find a lot of people that were born like in the latter months, the colder months. They like the colder weather. Whoa, because I was, so um, you were um, born May, in May. And I do like, um, and I do like spring. I don't like it hot, and I, I don't really like it cold. But right. um, my allergies, you know what, I kind of switched to fall because of my allergies, but I really like the spring weather. And I think May, May really is spring, yeah, because summer starts June. Yes. So there might be mm-hmm. some validity in that point. Oh, okay. Yeah. All right. Okay. All right. Well, we have a good show tonight. Um, we have Miss Kimberly Morrow who's going to come on. She's actually going to come on in a little bit. We squeezed her in because she's going to talk to us a lot about um, education and children. And then she's going to talk to us about the cheating scandal. I know we've talked about it a couple of times um, on the show about the college admission cheating scandal that they're still talking about 
um, where I think it was like 30-some people who were indicted um, of, you know, cheating to get their kids into these Ivy League colleges. And one of the – I forgot the, the lady who's on Full House. I know her daughter, she's basically said on video, you know, that she she rarely goes to school. So I guess her going to school probably was the mother's idea. Um, sure. But, um, yeah, we're going to have Kimberly Morrow who's going to come on and talk – Talk to us about why that's not such a good idea, you know, forcing your, your child to go to school. And I I think I've talked about it when we were on ODU that um, I went to school directly after high school, and I didn't want to. I told my mom that I wanted a year off, but she told me no, because if I took a year off, I wouldn't go back to school. And she forced me to go back to school directly after high school, and I bombed. Now, back in high school, both of us, back I mean, back in college at an older age, and we're acing it, we, we're, you know, straight A's and B's now because we're ready for it. Um, so right. we're going to talk about why it's not always a good idea for your, your kids to go to college. Um, but, you know, we're going to bring on right now. So Kimberly Morrow, Kimberly A. Morrow, she's a, an educator worth knowing. She is on a mission to empower parents to become better advocates for their children. So we're going to go ahead and we're going to bring her on. Please welcome to the show, Miss Kimberly Morrow. How are you doing, Miss Morrow? Hello. Hi. I'm doing great. <laughs> I am so glad. happy to be on your show. I'm, we're glad to have you here. We're so glad to have you. It's very timely that you're on the show as well. So tell everybody exactly what you do, all the wonderful things that you do. I'm looking at your bio, but it's so much to read. In your own words, give us a, a rundown. Introduce yourself to the people. Okay. So a, a really quick rundown. I'm, I'm a parent first. I'm an educator. I've been um, either teaching or doing um, administration for over 22 years. I am now an author, but, um, you know, okay. my, my biggest achievement, obviously, is being a parent. Mm-hmm. Um, I am the parent of some amazing children, and this is one of the reasons why I wanted to write this book, because it wasn't always easy um, mm-hmm. I was a single parent for many years um, to three children, and um, well, actually two. The third one did go and live with his dad. It was my stepson, but I, he's my son. Um, mm-hmm. So he went and lived with his dad after the divorce, and so I raised the, the two on my own. And my youngest son um, had a learning disability, and so it was, it was, a, it was a struggle. And I just, um, that's why I'm doing what I'm doing, because I want to encourage other parents. I've learned a lot on this journey, um, being in education, as well as being a parent, and I just want to share it with everybody. Awesome. Well, we're so glad that you're here tonight to, to share some information with us. Let's, let's, I, I want to first talk about um, recent news, what happened um, with Nipsey, Nipsey Hussle. Um, that's been all on the news today. And I know that you were saying um, that, you know, in light of his death, and, you know, sometimes kids find it difficult, you know, to cope with it. Yeah. Why do you say that? Yeah. And, well, here's the thing. We find it difficult to cope with celebrity deaths, and we're adults. And True. children have an even harder time because they're unable to understand the feelings that they're feeling, and they don't really have the words to communicate those feelings. And it Mm -hmm. seems strange to them because they're not 
understanding why am I having these feelings about a person that I don't even know. And so for our children, it's even more difficult for them to navigate um, that right. situation. Yeah, it's it's difficult. Um, and as parents, as adults, we can help them through that process um, by doing a few things for them. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the things that we have to realize um, is that celebrities, especially in the age of social media, and even uh-huh. back in our day when we didn't have social media, it's just that we saw them every day on television, um, we right. feel like we know these people. And exactly. as they're evolving and, and we're evolving, we really feel a close connection to them. Um, mm-hmm. I'll just tell you a really quick why this really hit me. Um, mm-hmm. When Lucille Ball died, mm-hmm. my brother called me as soon as he heard and to check on me. I'm, I'm a huge Lucille Ball fan. And a little while later, he said, you know, I called you like she was a member of our family. And I said to him, she was like my family. Mm -hmm. And so when Nipsey Hussle died, I remembered that feeling. And so I called my daughter. And um, at first she was a little hesitant, but I said to her, I said, no, I know know what you're going through. I felt this way when Lucille Ball died, and I felt this way when Whitney Houston died. Oh, my God, yes, yes. Oh, God. (laughs) When, When Whitney Houston died, I was devastated. Yeah. I was devastated. And and I'll tell you, and this is another reason why it's important for us to help our children through this, because they they don't have that maturity to understand this. I was mm-hmm. devastated because her death came a year and a half after my mother's death, my brother's death. And for me, when Whitney Houston died, I felt like I was losing yet another part of my my childhood and my uh-huh. young adult life. It was yeah. like another piece was leaving me. And mm-hmm. I just, you know, so I feel, I feel their pain. I, I, I understand what they're going through. And when I said that to my daughter, she, it's like she was able to drop her guard. And mm-hmm. she started just sharing with me because she's a big Lauren London fan. And mm-hmm. so for oh, wow. her, it was like this, she loved Lauren London so much, and she just felt her pain having mm-hmm. gone through the death of her uncle, my brother, and her grandmother. Mm-hmm. And she, she just really felt for Lauren London, and she just talked about all of the wonderful things Nipsey Hussle was doing. And, and so I gave her that opportunity to share how he had impacted her and, um, and what that meant for her. And it, it, was, a, it was a great conversation. And I just feel like as parents, we can do that for our children. When somebody, a celebrity dies instead of, oh, we don't get it because they're not, you know, anybody that we follow. But Mm -hmm. we do understand because we've had those experiences in our past. So Mm -hmm. we can help help them navigate through that. Mm -hmm. Well, I know Paula has a question for you, Kimberly. But first I have a question. So is this. I know, is this just a fact that we're human, that we can empathize, you know, with the situations that, you know, someone that we admire for so long has had some type of misfortune or been killed or passed away? Or is this something that we should try to not necessarily protect our kids from, but make sh- keep a watch on it? 
so that it doesn't. Cause I'm sure, at, to a certain degree, it could get to a point where it's dysfunctional, couldn't it? If Correct. they become too Correct. obsessed. So, uh-huh. so, so there were two things that you asked me. So both of them, the, I think the first question was, I'm sorry, can you repeat it? <laughs> You asked uh, just, me two questions is, in there. Is that a, just a part of human nature that, you know, we're concerned, you know, we're concerned about just yes, people in yes. general? So when, yeah. Not only that, but if, you, if you've suffered a loss in the past, mm-hmm. subsequent losses, whether oh, yeah. it's a celebrity or anyone else, becomes a trigger for your right. previous losses. Gotcha. And so gotcha. it it is, we are human, yes, and we do have empathy, but also those those deaths become triggers. Like I said, when Whitney Houston died, that was a trigger for my mother and brother's death. Mm-hmm. And when Lucille Ball died, it wasn't that, you know, I was, oh, I, I had empathy for her or her family. It was another trigger because whenever I would be down and depressed, I would watch her on television, and she would always lift my spirits. And so Mm. even though I was watching her on TV, and I realized I could still watch her on TV, but for me it was like, oh, the person who made me smile is now gone. And so, yeah, so it it really is personal. Um, And as far as should we keep an eye on it, absolutely. Because Mm. if, if your child or you have any type of history of depression or mm-hmm. it, it runs in your family or you are um, um, easily inclined to it, you should mm-hmm. definitely um, keep a watch because it, it, this could lead to a major depressive episode, even though, again, it's not someone that we know, but it triggers those, those emotions from us. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Go ahead, Paula. Yes. Okay. Hi, Kimberly. How are you? Hi, Paula. <laughs> we I have can. a lot of sim- lot in common. First of all, I'm a huge I Love Lucy fan. And what's so funny is that my mom called me when she died. I was at work, and she called me to let me know that she had passed away. I boohooed like the whole entire day because it, I do, I still watch I Love Lucy today. Like I've watched the marathons and everything. I'm a huge I Love Lucy fan. Humongous, humongous. Paula, and I will I tell you this. I've blocked people on my Facebook page for saying anything negative about Lucille Ball. I'm, I, I, I'm not for that. <laughs> yeah, me neither. I'm not for that either. I mean, I watched a movie. I mean, she was just, like, last week I just watched a whole marathon because I have this Apple TV where I have 24-7 channels, and I watch I Love Lucy. Like, I could say quote some of the stuff like verbatim. That's how much I love Lucy. It's just yeah. crazy. Mm-hmm. And when you were saying that, I was so funny because sometimes I will watch it if I do need to laugh. I mean, it's it's just an amazing show. And secondly, I have a daughter. Well, she's grown now, but I was an advocate for her in school because my daughter, I don't like to say learning disability, she learned mm-hmm. differently. She was smart, but she just learned differently. Right, and right. believe you me, I fought tooth and nail with the school board and everything, because the thing of it is, for me, for children that learn differently, because everything is tailored to, like, one standard, and they do not carve out things for children that learn differently. They want to put them in a separate class, but you don't want to carve out things as a way to tailor things to the way they learn, and I have a big issue with that, and I still have an issue with that today because they're still doing the same thing. 
They so, are. I mean, and and I yeah. and I and I believe it's just gotten worse with Yes. all of the changes in education. And the thing is, I like that you said she learns differently. But here's the um, unfortunate part. Many teachers don't want to teach differently. Mm. Yes. And if you have children that learn differently, as teachers, we have to teach differently. We can't teach all of our students the exact same way. So I'm, I'm, I'm on one side of it in the classroom, and then I'm on the other side of it as a parent where a parent. I, I wow. had to, I had to um, actually come in and, and explain to his teachers how to teach my child. And then I yes. had the um, credibility because I actually was a teacher. Um, and so that's why I'm doing what I'm doing because there are so many parents out there who don't have that, and they don't even know how to advocate for their child. Like, thank goodness exactly. you did, Paula. And sure. so mm-hmm. they're they're flying blind, and they are relying on on this educational system to to do everything. And it's unfortunate, but um, like I said, they don't want to teach differently. They just want to um, teach teach the kids all the same way. Mm-hmm. Exactly, and that's just something that I—I I mean, I—I I, I knew my daughter was going to be successful, and believe you me, believe you me, I made sure that they did everything they could to assist her, because um, you weren't going to fail her because you didn't want to take the time to teach her differently and pattern the the cur- curriculum to the way that she learns. That was because yeah. that's not my problem. You needed to fix that. So as you said, there's so many parents that I still talk to this day that is battling that. And I think it's a, it's a shame, um, and I'm a big advocate for it because I have uh, friends that are teachers as well. And, you know, they helped me along the way, the process, and told me things to do to get accommodations for her either because people really don't realize how many accommodations you can get for your children. It's endless. And what they don't realize also, I'm so glad you said that, Paula, is that once the school is required to fulfill them by law. Hmm. Okay. Yes. It's a federal. (laughs) Now, it's unfortunate. That's why some districts will try to um, talk you out of certain things, because there are some school districts that have gone bankrupt because of um, having to fulfill these accommodations that were um, agreed upon in an IEP meeting. But, um, yeah, they are required to fulfill them. That's probably why they they don't tell you. Exactly. Oh, yeah. they, that is exactly no, why they don't no. tell you. Let me, right. <laughs> Cameron, let me tell you, my daughter, uh, I'm sorry, I'm, I'm going to get off of this in a second. My daughter, when she was in elementary school, I had to go to a meeting. I'm going to say this really quick. So before I got in a meeting, they didn't know I was there. So the teachers and the principal, they were all in there. So what alarmed me is that my daughter was in second and third grade. The teacher marked my daughter's paper, but she had all these red X's on it, like, Bold red X's. I was mad about that in the beginning. You know what I'm saying? Okay, she got a lot of them wrong, but she don't have to have big red X's on it. So when I was out in the hallway, I heard them talking about my daughter and the way she learned. And they were, like, kind of making fun of her. Wow. Well, you know me. So when I got in there, I was professional, but I gave them the business. But I had to make them understand, just because my daughter learns differently, you're not going to treat her different. And they do that as mm-hmm. well. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yes, I oh listen. My son 
is a student, was a student, he's, he's graduated high school now, was a student in the same school district where I worked. And I was battling his teachers. Mm-hmm. They were putting tens on his paper, and I was excited at first. I was like, oh, you got a 10? Oh, Brian, that is so good. And I read it. I was like, you didn't answer one question on this paper. Mm-hmm. So instead of putting the big red, big red X's on his paper, oh, they were just giving him 10s, and all he was doing was rewriting the question. I was livid. Yeah. Livid. I was livid, and I so I had to I had to have you know the conversations with them, and I actually had to bring in what accommodations they could give him and what would fit his learning style. But if I had to do that, and I work for the school district, I don't I can I don't even know the how they treat the parents who don't really understand what accommodations right. they can actually oh, ask for. Right. And don't work yeah, for that, the school district. So, mm-hmm. right, and that's just going to segue me into. Um, we had uh, got some information about a black uh, a mother. Um, let's see, it was a, a black Ohio mother of two. Her name was Kelly Williams Bowler. Is that it? Was released yes. from jail for falsifying records so that her daughters could attend a higher performing school. Uh, will the parents involved in the cheating scandal be faced with jail time as well? Um, I'm sorry, I can't even read right. The the jail time, several cases involving black parents. How do you feel about that? With us, this big scandal going on. Any good stories about? And here's the thing: the the black parent who was trying to get her child into a higher performing school. Um, mm-hmm. She what what kind of records did she falsify that where they lived, their address? More than likely, yeah. More than likely, yeah. And 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 the school that she was probably going to have to go to was probably a school that was deemed you know their neighborhood school and and it probably um, wasn't doing as well and so that that is actually sad and and it's the way they treat black parents who just want a better future for their child compared to, um, you know, parents with money and privilege who right. are looking for, how do I want to say this? They, they are looking for the prestige. I, you know, I heard you guys talking earlier um, and I'll come and I'll try to answer that question as best as I can. I heard mm-hmm. you talking earlier about, the cheating scandal and right. how these parents were, um, you know, spending all this money to get their kids into USC and I forgot the other school. And Harvard. And Harvard, my alma mater. Mm-hmm. And, um, and, <laughs> and, it, and the, the children, that wasn't even their first choice. I've, I've read about Lori Laughlin's kids. Those, uh-huh. those girls wanted to go to Arizona State University. This was their parents who wanted to do it for the prestige. But then you have this black parent who's wanting to do it because this is a better education for her child. And so it's it's really sad, the the discrepancy. And I I really hope that um, that parent, that black parent doesn't get any jail time. I really hope they look at all of the circumstances. Now, if she were falsifying the student's transcripts, 
or mm-hmm. her, her, her grades or GPA, that's a little different because now you're getting into an area that really, um, that, that really is unethical because your, your child isn't mm-hmm. probably um, equipped to go to that type of school. But to falsify an address, uh, we see that all the time with um, athletes. All the right. time, in my and that's district. all she did. They said she all falsified. The time. She, they said that she used her father's mailing address instead of her own to get her there two daughters so, into a better there school. There are so many. There are so many parents in everywhere that do that so that so that their child can play for the better high school team, and right. so we want right. them to play for this school team. None of those parents are going to face any jail time. You know, once it's found out, we just send them back to their, their home school. So I think it's ridiculous, one, that they would even file charges against that parent. Yeah. And That's she got ridiculous. what? She got three years, I think three years probation and 80 hours of community service. Yeah. And and yeah. if and that's a state, so that's really the state. What state does she live in? She's in Ohio. She is, um, this in is Ohio. Akron, Ohio. Akron, Ohio. Oh, okay. 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 Um, and, and this case is federal. Okay. Those parents okay. are facing federal charges. Okay. okay. Yeah. Do you, so, think, what, do you think the 32 people who are in this new college scandal, do you think they're going to face um, jail time? These are high-profile people. She didn't have a name, the lady in Ohio. She wasn't famous. She didn't have a name. She... Um, was probably looks from reading what I'm reading from a lower income bracket. So, do you think that the people who are just found now, the, the celebrities and the CEOs, do you think they're going to get jail time for that? Now, I'll tell you, I absolutely think they should because now to compare apples to apples, because since that's a state case and we're talking about a federal case, let's compare this to the Atlanta teacher te- scandal cheating scandal. Mm-hmm. Remember those teachers in Atlanta back in 2011 uh-huh. um, mm-hmm. who were arrested and charged and found guilty of changing um, test scores, mm-hmm. um, changing the answers that the students were um, had originally Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Now, yeah, those, yeah. they did get jail time. So, absolutely, I believe these parents should get jail time. Mm-hmm. I do. Because what's, it's, it has to be fair. Yeah, exactly. It has to be fair. That was a federal case. This is a federal case. Right, right. But, you know, I I think because people have been cheating for many, many, many years, especially in paying for the kids to go to the best school, especially when you have money like that, you know, and prestige. You know, they've been doing this. They didn't just start. This didn't start happening yesterday. It's been going on. And my thing of it is if you can afford it, because that's, that's the golden rule around here in the United States, you know, in America. If you can afford it, you can do it. Yeah. Period, point blank. Unfortunately, They just have yeah. to get caught. Yeah, yeah, unfortunately. But the thing of it is is that just like the black lady that um, falsified the address, they want, they want to have a better education for their kids. If I can mm-hmm. afford to pay for it, to have my kid go through to a better school, I'm going to do that. But you got the president of the United States cheating and doing all kinds of things, and he's not going to jail. You understand what I'm saying? And these students are paying. So, I I, I mean, I I don't know. I don't think they should go to jail. I think that it should be, um, I mean, they're not setting a good example for their kids because they're letting them know that you're privileged. 
You don't have to go through the testing. You don't have to go through all of this. But that's that's all they know. That's that's how it is because the money leads them. So money speaks. Money is power. Well, right, right. and the school I, and, knew it was wrong, but they took the money anyway. So should now, the parents go to school? What's going to happen to the school? And, and Paul, I think it. I have a. I think I have a different perspective because having um, actually gone to Harvard and graduated from Harvard and mm-hmm. each time I tell people I went to Harvard, the, the assumption is that I got in on some type of affirmative action plan. And so it really does, in my opinion, it does so many um, African-American students and, and Latino students and other students of color a disservice because we get treated like somehow we got in on some type of um, um, affirmative action where in actuality here isn't that in a way some type of affirmative action if their parents are paying for them to get in. They didn't earn their spot. Um, And it's always been that way. Um, Well, it's been that way for many years for me. It's as though I didn't earn my spot at the school, that somehow it must have been given to me. So I, I, I do feel um, as though those parents should have to pay because what they are doing is, is really wrong, and it is setting a bad example, but also yes. Um, yes. It, it really hurts all of those students of color that have gotten there on their own merit, but they are looked down upon. So I kind of have a, a different viewpoint on that. And see me. Go ahead. I'm sorry. Well, go ahead. No, no. I just, I just, no, I had to. I went a little bit further, but I wanted to ask him. So you're in the school system. So you find that there's pressure among the parents that come in for the the kids to be perfect. I'm sorry, Will. I didn't quite understand that. A lot of background noise. Yeah, I saw some. Uh, uh, Okay, I got that. I'm sorry. Do you find being in the public school system? Do you find that there's a lot of pressure um, that the parents put on their kids to be perfect? Oh yes, yes. I have. Um, I teach tenth grade, and mm-hmm. I was um, absent once to go to a conference, and I told, mm-hmm. and I I left an assignment, and I tried to leave an assignment that I thought would be pretty simple to do. And I told my daughter, I said, I'm sure I'll get a lot of emails from my students because they're, they're really high strung. And they will overcomplicate this assignment. And they will start emailing me because, they, you know, it has to be perfect. It has to be perfect. Um, and sure enough, they started sending me these emails, and I just said, this is, this is what I deal with. And it's because their parents have set this bar so high for them that right. they – it, there's this anxiety, and as soon as I assign an assignment, you know, they're, they start getting nervous about it and asking me all these questions, and I'm going, it's not that complicated. It really isn't. Because at this, at this stage in their life, I just, I just want them to love learning, you know, not be so focused on, well, what is my grade? What is my grade? What is my grade? And just enjoy the process of learning because learning is wonderful. I love it. I still love to read. I just love to learn just for the sake of it. And it, it's, it's difficult for those of us that are in this business to um, get children to enjoy learning and not just what's my grade. 
And a lot of that does come from the parents because they are, you know, it's all about the grade. It's all about the grade. It's all about the grade. Yeah. So it is is a little challenging. All right. Uh, Kim, this is a question I wanted to um, ask you. What should you do if your child refuses to go to college? Oh, my God. Well, now. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Because. That that could happen, and what you want to do is you want to find out why. What what is their goal? And one of the things that I find from parents is they want their child to do what they what their desire is, and it's kind of like right. they they have. You're going to go to college. You're going to do this. This is what your life is going to be like. Instead of actually asking them. Well, what, tell me what you want to do. And so if you really communicate with your child, you might find that what they desire to do, it doesn't require them to, quote, unquote, go to like a traditional college. Traditional college, so, right. But it may require them to get some type of school, additional schooling. And so we've kind of gotten away and we're starting to move back towards that again is the vocational schools. So Right. I, I don't. I don't know how old you all are, but I grew up and went to high school in the '80s, and mm-hmm. so in in our day, we definitely had the wood classes, the the metal shop classes, the cooking classes. Right. Those right. Those okay. are mm-hmm. those are careers. Culinary right. arts is a career. You know. Right. Why why would you force your child to go to a four-year traditional college when they can go to a school for culinary arts? And many mm-hmm. of the community colleges do that. Or go to a school for precision machining. I had a student who was gave me such a hard time, and he ended up going to one of those schools where you learn all about auto mechanics. Mm-hmm. And uh-huh. he actually came to visit me a few years later, and he was telling me everything that he was doing. And he worked at the Mercedes dealership in La Jolla. And I thought, wow, I know I can't even afford a home in La Jolla, and you work and live out there. La Jolla is a pretty um, prominent area in the San Diego area um, uh-huh. where, you know, people with money live there. And he, right. he didn't go to college. And he's doing very well for himself. There are so many careers that don't require a traditional bachelor's degree or right, um, yeah. master's degree. And so we need to allow them to look into those various opportunities. And we really need to, I, in my opinion, I believe we need to encourage them to go the entrepreneurial route. And for yes. some of them, that may require them to get a bachelor's degree or, or get an advanced degree. And for some of them, it may just require them to take some courses. Right, right, right. So, so my, final, the, my final question to you I want to ask, Kimberly, um, is, so we were talking about the scandal. I hate to keep going back to that. But I'm thinking about, I keep seeing, like, on Facebook, a lot of people posting, um, students of color posting that, you know, they were accepted to X amount of, Colleges and they've won so much scholarship money, and I know from experience that the whole college application process can be stressful to people. So, do you think, in light of this scandal, that that whole process is going to get even more stressful? That it's probably going to change. Absolutely. Um, <laughs> yes, and 
and I hope it it doesn't change as far as making it more difficult for those that it's already difficult for. It's already yeah. difficult for low-income students. It's already difficult for students of color. Um, mm-hmm. But where the process has to change is for the students who are coming in with, you know, the the parents with privilege and um, the parents who have the money. So that's who the process needs to change for, and it needs to mm-hmm. be, they have to vet them a little bit better. But I really hope that it doesn't hurt those students um, coming from, you know, it's already difficult. It's already difficult. Right. So, yeah. So time has come. It's already been, what, 35 minutes almost. How can people get a copy of your book? So my book, is, my book is mm-hmm. it is available on Amazon.com. It's available at Barnes and Noble and other mm-hmm. retail outlets. Um, all they have to do is visit my website KimAmorrow.com, and there is a link that will take them to either Barnes and Noble or Amazon.com. Awesome, awesome! Thank you so much for coming on the show. I'm glad that Nikki um, suggested you. Um, you share a lot of good information. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me. Bye bye. Thank you, Kim. Bye bye. Bye. All right, we're gonna take a quick break, and we're gonna be right back with Mr. Vid Bugs. We'll be right back. You've been listening to Let's Face It with Will Strayhorn and Friends. We'll be right back. This is Betty White. I know you don't need one more thing to worry about, but listen. High blood pressure can cause kidney damage, blindness, heart attack, stroke. And you can have high blood pressure even if you feel all right. One in seven adults has it, but it's easy to get your blood pressure checked, and you can treat it if it is too high. So don't worry about it. Don't ignore it. Just see your doctor and check it out. For your free booklet, visit the Will Rogers Institute at wrinstitute.org and find us on Facebook and Twitter. Today in school, I learned a lot. In chemistry, I learned that no one likes me. In English, I learned that I'm disgusting. And in physics, I learned that I'm a loser. Today in school, I learned that I'm ugly and useless. And in gym, I learned that I'm pathetic and a joke. In history, I learned that I'm trash. Today in school, I learned that I have no friends. In English, I learned that I make people sick. And at lunch, I learned that I sit on my own because I smell. In chemistry, I learned that no one In biology, I learned that I'm fat and stupid. And in math, I learned that I'm trash. The only thing I didn't learn in school today... The only thing I didn't learn today... The only thing I didn't learn... Is why no one ever helps. Kids witness bullying every day. They want to help, but they don't know how. Teach them how to stop bullying and be more than a bystander at stopbullying.gov. A message from the Ad Council. What's going on, everybody? This is Neo for Life Beat. The music industry fights AIDS. When you're drunk or high, all you want to think about is what feels good. But think about this. Two Americans under the age of 21 are infected with HIV every hour of every day. Don't become another statistic. Use protection. To learn more about HIV and AIDS, go on to www.lifebeat.org. Respect yourself. Protect yourself. You're now listening to Let's Face It with Will Strayhorn and Friends. Now back to the show. 
Welcome back to the show. How are you doing, Paula? Are you still there? Yes, I'm still here, darling. I'm doing well. <laughs> still there. Okay. All right. Making sure you're, making sure you're still there. Yes. All right. So our next, our next guest, Mr. Vidbugs, he is an athlete. He's a scholar, an entrepreneur, philanthropist, author, speaker, poet, consultant, volunteer, coach, and a modern-day Renaissance man. Vidbugs is a man of diverse interests who directs his many talents towards bringing people together. I love that and encourage them to look past their differences to unite to make the world a better place. Please help us welcome to the show, Mr. Vidbugs. Welcome to the show, sir. How are you? I'm well. How are you doing today? Doing good. We're doing really good this rainy night. Um, But we're we're doing well. Thank you so much for coming on the show to share your story and some information about us. So I didn't read through your whole biography. Um, Can you tell us a little bit more about your background and how you grew up? So I think you grew up um, yes. in Hampton, right? You grew up in Hampton. Yes, I grew up. I grew up in Hampton. I now live in Tampa, Florida, but I grew up in Hampton, um, okay. Hampton and Nuba News. But um, yeah, I'm a uh, uh, a child of uh, Marilyn Bugs and did Lamonte Bugs Senior. Um, I'm the middle child. My mother and father had uh, my older sister and myself um, at an early age. Um, so you know, went out. At that time, uh, you know, a male wasn't really a black male wasn't really um, given the chance to live as 25. And also, right. on my mom's side of the family, it was uh, said to be like a family curse that the males didn't live to the, um, be older than 29. So mm-hmm. I had that on my back, as well as um, you know, different other things like. Uh, academically. I was good academically, but my teachers, a lot of my teachers doubted me because I had a reading issue and a speech mm-hmm. impediment. And mm-hmm. so, um, you know, I just had to push through it, you know what I mean? But I, I grew up in a nation home, you know what I mean? Um, outside, I've seen, you know, a lot of challenges, a lot of things that a lot of people these days and back then, you know, go through. So that's a little bit about my background. Awesome, awesome. Oh, that was awesome. Hi, Ben. How are you? This is Paula B. How are you doing? I'm I'm well. How are you doing? I'm doing well. I'm doing well. Now, you're an author, entrepreneur, and a speaker. What made you want to become all of those things? Um, well, this, like I said, my, my background, a lot of doubts going into anything that I or the people I grew up with. Um, anything that we were we wanted to do, we were told that basically we couldn't do it for one reason mm-hmm. or another. Other, where whether it was uh, through, um, being an athlete, going to college, um, et cetera, et cetera. I remember not all my teachers, but some of my teachers told me that I wouldn't go to college. And you're talking mm-hmm. about a, a young man that was, you know, I was above average academically. You know what I mean? But, um, you know, so I use that to uh, feel my mission of giving back and showing other people that they, you know, that they can do anything. You know what I mean? Like, never doubt yourself because the world, there's so many in the world already doubting you. You know, you don't want to add to that statistic. You know, so that's where my mission began. As um, far as being an author, 
um, I started writing as a a way of, um, you know, uh, what what they say. Well, it was a way of expression. It was my out, you know, what I mean, my outlet at the time. Mm-hmm. Uh huh. Um, again, like I said, when growing up, I had to feel that that mode of um, I was very athletic, and so that was how I fit in, you know, because I was, you know smart, I guess, academically mm-hmm. smart. So I was looked at to some of my peers as a nerd. You know what I mean? So I was fighting, you know, saying two bottles, if not mm-hmm. more. And so I needed an outlet. And um actually Nas, the rapper Nas, his album Ilmata came out when I was in eighth grade and I heard his album and I was just amazed that someone mm-hmm. could use words to Paint a picture. So that was my um, my inspiration, my introduction into writing, and then eventually becoming an author. And, and you know, just the entrepreneur route. I believe we in our community as black people need to own our own. You know, and I always wanted to um, help others uh, accomplish their dreams and make their you know send the dreams and goals a reality. So right. That's why I do what I do. Okay, awesome. thanks. So as far as the writing, you have two books. You have You Ain't Hungry Until I'm Starving, Nutrition for the Soul, Soul, and then you have Vid Vittles. I love the, I love those t- um, titles. What are those books about? Uh, you Ain't Hungry Until I'm Starving. It's a collective piece of life's perspective, right? Mm-hmm. So I, from my perspective of the experiences I've been through, um, firsthand and third person, right? Um, I deal with spiritual aspects, the uh, love, you know, um, everything in life. Um, being a single parent, um, taking care of our women, taking care of this earth, you know, and this instilling a lot of inspiration through uh, each piece, you know what I mean? Because, like, we all go through our struggles. We all think mm-hmm. we have different perspectives. But at times, we need to see things from another perspective to understand what life is really about. So that's what uh, You Ain't Hungry Until I'm Starving is about. And this Fiddles is, de- uh, is basically a daily uh, motivational. Mm-hmm. I just give, like, a little quote, um, something, you know, out of my perspective for how to deal mm-hmm. with life and enjoy life in general, you know, coming over um, through our heartaches, pains, and enjoying success as well, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Where can those books be, okay. be purchased? Uh, you can purchase it, almost, well, anywhere. Um, Amazon, Barnes & Nobles, um, app, or iTunes, iBooks, um, you know, online, anywhere. Okay. Oh, all right. Yeah. That's awesome. Thank you. Thank you. Okay. Uh, can you tell us your experience about being a black entrepreneur? Ooh, yeah. Being a black entrepreneur, my experience is, I, I, I think I look at beauty in everything, right? Because um, it's beauty in the struggle and ugliness and success is what is what oh, it said. So, oh, so um, you know, we go through our struggles and. It, as as being an entrepreneur in general is a struggle, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, I know a lot of people see that 
the glorious side of being an entrepreneur as mm-hmm. you, like you have your own business, you can make your work schedule. Your own boss and stuff like that. Exactly. But a lot of times people don't see what goes into that. As, you exactly. know, um, the many hours, the late nights, early mornings, um, <laughs> no money, you know what I mean? Exactly, uh, uh, exactly. Doubts, everything. And then mm-hmm. as being a black entrepreneur, um, I would say for me the struggle in that is um, being taken seriously by mm-hmm. by your own community as well mm-hmm. as uh, mm-hmm. other communities. Especially you know, your own um, yeah. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Um, for instance, um, my publishing company, For Unique Publishing, we we've been in you know fair amount of publications, USA Weekly, Forbes, and everything like that, but. Mm-hmm. I still, or we still fight with, you know, Barnes and Nobles and other institutions due to who we are. You see what I'm saying? Right. Like, because of who's the founder and the owner of the company, you know, whereas, um, and I could say this, you know, being blunt, because people in that space have told me, you know, right, if you weren't a black male, things would be easier for you. So mm-hmm. we go through that struggle of being taken seriously. Um, but the the beauty of it is being a black entrepreneur is uh, being able to give back and helping others um, uh, succeed and create their their dream, you know. And it's, you know, doing so much for the community, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, it's very it's, – it's a blessing. It's definitely a blessing. Mm-hmm. Just fighting um, – you know, knocking down walls and barriers each and every day and breaking down stereotypes, you know. So that's the, um, that's the, that's what I take from being a black entrepreneur, you know. Um, I, I, like I said, it's ugliness and success and it's beauty and the struggles. So I guess the struggle, you know, of breaking down the barriers and everything makes the success even more, um, you know, special. You know, mm-hmm. this isn't you know what, about, you're also you know, being – you're also being a role model for people who are watching you, especially for people because you said you're a coach. You're being a role model for those kids. I saw your pictures on your your website and everything. You're being a, an excellent role model for those people who you know want greater in life. So that's really good. I commend you on that yourself. Yeah. But you know, Paul and I before the show, so we were talking about you know it's been all on the news talking about Nipsey Hussle and everything and um. His the shooting, so I was watching. Uh, I think it was Facebook or Instagram when there was someone who was talking about um, Left Eye and how everybody was, you know, going behind Dr. Seabee, and you know they were saying that they, they're they're thinking there's some type of a conspiracy going on. You know, I know there are a lot of theories going out there circulating, but what's your reason for why he was murdered? Oh, uh, it's deep. You know, it's deep. I do, you know, I don't subscribe to the, about the, um, the, the, the conspiracies behind that, but uh-huh. I do subscribe to a bigger, deeper thing. You know what I mean? Um, you know, as far as what we know now with the suspect being apprehended, mm-hmm. you know, it was an altercation and everything like that. They knew each other, but, um, this, the whole, our whole, well, one, the system has never been for us. 
You know what I mean? Like, we wasn't thought about when that system was made. You know, mm-hmm. and we know that the government has, you know, has their own agenda with us. It's, it's better to um, keep us separated than us coming together. And that's what, mm-hmm. um, you know, with knowing about health and financial uh, education and medicine and, mm-hmm. you know, just coming together and standing together. So, of course, they, you know, even even if it wasn't, um, let's say, uh, uh, not even if they didn't plant that person to come shoot them, they already mm-hmm. had their hand just by how we have been trained. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. the, the things that we've always been through. You know what I mean? We talking about mm-hmm. Willie Lynch, um, the Willie Lynch letters, and everything like exactly. that, where we we face that every day. You know what I mean? And so we're taught mm-hmm. that self hate. You know. And so I I feel if we had more self love, that a situation like that wouldn't even have happened. You know, so that's my take on um, you know, Nipsey, uh, that you know, with with the death, um, I know the community lost uh, not just in L.A. but you know, worldwide has lost a a great mentor. I mean, he was doing big things, you know, in the community and. What we talk about, what we want to do, you know, um, buying back the buying back the blocks, um, mm-hmm. creating jobs for our own, you know what I mean, and being a great. Do you think that's why he was targeted? You think that's why he was targeted because he was trying to do that and to bring some good into there, or, or what? I, I think, I think, underlying, yeah, you know, um, because. You know, with any kind of success, it breeds jealousy. And so mm-hmm. if you already have self-hate within a community, with it, it um, whatever community it is, right, if you have people, we see it all the time. Once we see somebody doing good and helping others, we want to bring up their past. We want to bring up, you know, we want to down them. We want to do this and that. We do. We, we can look at um, uh, the Michael Jordan, LeBron James comparison. LeBron James is a great role model, but he's so successful that people will down him over his success. Oh, he'll never be – he's not great like Michael Jordan. He don't do this. Mm-hmm. He don't do that. You know what I mean? But he's great. You see what I'm saying? He's a, he's successful. He's a role model. So if you hate on somebody, whether it's, you know, uh, verbally, um, consciously, mentally, or physically, that's – that's something on you, you know what I mean? That's the self-hate thing. And where does that come from? That comes from years and years and years of being taught that we're not we're not anything. And if someone has something better than you, then, you know what I mean, like you hate that person. So I do believe underlying it, it did, it did come from uh, self-hate and jealousy. You know, that's just my take. Hmm. Okay. 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 I can follow you with that. I ain't go. I didn't go all around it, did I? <laughs> My no, no you did a great job. <laughs> you did a great job. Let me ask you: What improvement must be made in our black community? What? What? what give me uh, one or two things that um, of improvements that we need to do in our black community. What's your thought? Um, what it goes back the first one: um, more self-love. We, we got to remember that um, and value ourselves as kings and queens that we are, 
you know. Mm. And um, when you value yourself as a king and queen and love yourself, it's easy to love others and to respect and value others. And a lot of times, and so it goes back to the Nipsey thing, and which is actually, that's why I said it's deeper than that, um, because we've, we've been taught, this like, even even with me, people is like, well, you need to talk more about what you do, right? And it's mm-hmm. hard um, for me to do it, but it's, it stems from what, what we've been taught. Like, if you, if you talk about yourself, you're bragging, you're conceited, right? right, right but that's right. not true, right? You know what I mean? It's not true. It's, it, you know what I'm saying? You, you are assuming confidence, but it's the truth. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And so we need to um, value ourselves more, exemplify ourselves more, and also not even be afraid uh, to ask for help and uh, understand that we all go through struggles. Nothing, no one in this world is perfect. You either going mm-hmm. through a struggle, coming out of one, well, or about to go through one. Exactly. You know what I mean? Exactly. And so mm-hmm. Amen. I think I think, you know, the first one, like I said, it comes back to more self love. More self love. And then the other one I would say, ooh, um, I have so many, so forgive me. I think um the second one would be support. More yeah. support. And the yeah. support doesn't mean just as in money why you know what I mean, financial. It means in the word positivity, you know, um, you know, like I always say, not even a, um, in a financial sense. I had a, a gentleman I did a, a event with, and he was he was saying this: "Oh, if someone can't buy my book for five dollars. They don't love me. They don't support me." And I was perplexed by that because, and I said it to him, like, "Well, if I bought your book." For five dollars, but didn't tell anybody and didn't read it. What does that do for you? Is that really support? Because I don't look at it like that. Because if I don't buy your book, but I tell a hundred people about your book, is is that support to you? Because a hundred people that didn't know about your book now knows about your book. So in my eyes, that is support. And so I think we we had the wrong idea of what true support is. Yeah, financial, if you are having the means to support financially, that's great. But at the same time, like something that you're offering, a pro- if you're offering a product that I don't need, I'm not going to buy it. You know what I mean? But I can tell others about it. I can right. push you into a network. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? And so we have to, you know, we, we have to support ourselves, uh, support yeah, ourselves, the the black community more because it's it's just said that do, um, a dollar only touches one hand in the community before it leaves it, and we, so I, I bring it on financially, but just with our uh, we we are the most creative beings ever, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And so so many people are making fortunes over things we've created, you know what I mean? And so. You know, from, you know, math, everything goes back to Africa, mathematics, you know, philosophy, everything, you know, but they, everyone else see the value in, in us. We don't see the value in our, ourselves and we don't support ourselves enough. And so um, those, those are the two things I, I would say off top, you know, mm-hmm. that we need All to right, do better thanks. with. Yes. 
Well, Vic, man, thank you so much for coming on the show. How can people follow you? You have social media, a website, or anything that people can uh, follow what you're doing. You're doing a lot. So how can people stay in touch with what, with what Viz is doing? Um, yes, I have yeah. social media. Uh, it's, you can follow me on Instagram at VBugs. That's V-B-U-G-G-S. Um, Twitter is the same thing, at VBugs. Facebook, Vid Lamonte Bugs Jr. And um, my website is vidbugs.com. So that's where you can find me at. Thank you for having me on your show. No problem, man. Thank you so much. And when you do something else, come back on the show. We'd love to talk to you. Yes, sir. Thank you for having me. All right. Have a good night. Have a good night. You too. Okay. So, Paula, you know what? We have to talk about this movie that we went to go see, Us. Um... We, I still don't understand what's going on. I'm trying to debate whether I want to go see it a second time. If I'm that concerned about, you know, trying to get some <laughs> some understanding, I'm not yet convinced that I'm that concerned about trying to, you know, understand what happened to these people. But I did a little bit of research online, <clears throat> and I did find out a few things that kind of kind of add to the mystery of what you know was unfolding as I was sitting. Those how long was the show? Almost two hours. I think it was an yeah. hour. I don't know. Yes, when I lost almost those two hours of my life trying to understand exactly what was going on on that screen. But um, we're going to take just a quick break, and then we're going to come back and talk about that and a little bit about next week's show. We'll be right back. All right. You've been listening to Let's Face It with Will Strayhorn and Friends. We'll be right back. There, beneath the surface. It waits for the silence, and then it starts slowly, climbing its way up and around what we've built here in our town. It happens every day, in our communities, schools, and workplaces. Sexual violence thrives, and we remain silent about these crimes. We can use our voices and have the positive conversation that can stop this problem from growing in our community. Sexual violence thrives in silence. Let's talk about it. Hi, this is Terry Crews, actor, former football player, game show host, father of five, and all-around big dude. I'm also an expert on drama. I know all kinds of drama. There's the good kind that comes with having a house full of kids. There's the bad kind, like season-ending injuries. There's the necessary kind, like having an agent in Hollywood. And there's silly drama, like the drama around my percolating pectorals. And then there's the drama you can skip. Skip the drama that comes with not having your high school diploma or equivalency. Find free adult education classes near you and finish your high school diploma. Visit finishyourdiploma.org. Or text DIPLOMA to 97779. Message and data rates may apply. Reply STOP to opt out. That's DIPLOMA to 97779. And leave the drama to actors like me. Brought to you by the Dollar General Literacy Foundation and the Ed Council. You're now listening to Let's Face It with Will Strayhorn and Friends. Now back to the show. All right. Welcome back to the show. So, Paula. Yes. So we, saw this, we saw the movie, Hope. So did you expect more, number one? Did you expect more? Did you see Get Out, the first movie that he did? I, I, did, see, I did see Get Out. and. Um, did you like Get Out? I, I didn't. No, I did not. Oh, my gosh. Okay, 
See, I I like Get Out. Uh, I saw Get Out probably I, like well, maybe five times. I did yeah, like. Yeah, no, that. I didn't like that movie at all. I, Why you I like didn't it? get it. I, I I mean, I wanted to get out because I didn't get it. <laughs> I um, <laughs> I didn't get it. I mean, it was so crazy. I mean, I did get it, but I mean, I understood what they were saying that. Um, I mean, they do, you know, the white people want to control you. They don't like to emulate us. They wanted to, mm-hmm. I, I'm assuming, you know, mm-hmm. and then um, it, it was just a lot of controversy <laughs> about that movie, and I just didn't get it, you know what I mean? Uh-huh. So, so, um, so you really didn't get crazy us. To me. No, us, okay, so can I share what I told you earlier? Or do you know? Yeah, go ahead. <laughs> Say mm-hmm. that. Okay, so I do not like scary movies at all. I mean, I don't like it. I remember my dad telling me when I was younger, don't be scared of a scary movie. It's only acting and makeup and all that stuff. Okay, I get it, Dad. But I still don't like them because I I get scared. So I went on a date to see the movie. I was all excited. I wanted to be a little scared because I wanted to jump a little bit to feel like the damsel in distress so I can, you know, put my my head in my date. Um, shoulders or you know how you do it in a movie. I wanted to do that. I wanted to have right. that whole little ambiance thing. None of that happened to me, so I was really pissed off about that. And then I, um, then we were looking at each other like, okay, when is something exciting going to happen? When is it going to get juicy? And when is it going to get scary? The thing mm-hmm. of it is, is that I, I, I mean, I was so upset with the husband carrying around that bat and limping all the time. <laughs> I wanted to jump on the screen, take the bat, and hit him for real. <laughs> So he he could just go away. I got tired of him with the whole the whole movie. You looping around with this one bat, and you're not doing mm-hmm. anything with it. And then, I mean, then everybody's all in a row like they doing kumbaya. Then I see mm-hmm. the whole thing with Jeremiah eleven eleven. I was gonna look it up because I didn't get. That. I didn't even look that up. So, yeah, I meant to look that up too. Yeah, I so I, I'm not getting the whole thing. I I I mean, I did get that the mother was actually the evil kid that was stuck in a mirror. Right, but I don't understand right, mm-hmm. why she ended up stuck in the mirror in the first place. They never explained to us why that happened. All mm-hmm. I know, and then the funniest part to me is that the girl that played the evil girl that was in a maroon jumpsuit, mm-hmm. I couldn't even get into her because the whole while she sounded like Miss Jane Pittman. I couldn't do it. <laughs> It's supposed to, that's supposed yeah. to be a symptom of people who have, and I, I'm going to say the word wrong, some type of dys, dysmorphia, something that people who are extremely, um, who experience traumatic events, they get. So I didn't even know the girl named, the good girl, um, the good side of Lupita, her name was Adelaide. I never knew that. Um, and then the bad yeah. version of her, their, her name was Red. Um I didn't realize it. And I didn't, of course, I guess throughout the whole movie, we didn't realize that they had switched each other. But my confusion came in that, um, so when she went into the the amusement park, which was obvious, you know, she right. walked away the thing. And then the girl, she got kidnapped and she was, for the whole time, she, for I guess all her life, she had been um, kidnapped and she was handcuffed to the bed. Which right. I guess was yeah, and then this whole community they were under the underground, and they were what some about 
the shadows. I, it was just so much going on that I was like, what? Because did you get that the 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 connection of how you control your shadow? Because if you remember, like the little boy when he backed back, and then his shadow, which right. was the bad right. little boy, right. backed back into the fire, and then um, what's the husband's name? His husband's name was Gabe. Um, when he was on the boat, he realized that he could mm-hmm. control his shadow. When he made, I guess the when he that how that faulty motor when the guy came up behind him when he was in the water on the boat and then he made the shadow um, hit the motor. So I was like, okay. I didn't get that until I got home and realized it. Because when I saw the yeah, boy see, with his raised back and back, I was like, okay, why is he mocking him? But then I got the connection that it was his shadow. And I remember Red telling um, Adelaide that when she was at the table, when she was handcuffed to the table when she was saying something about your shadow, blah, blah, blah. And then she showed her doing all the dancing. It was just a lot going on. It seemed like I needed, some cliff, I needed some cliff notes or something just to accompany it because yeah. it was just a lot. It was a lot. That's what I'm trying to you figure out. You needed some medicine. Watch to, to, yeah. I that needed movie a will make you really, If you weren't ADHD, it would make you think you were ADHD. You understand <laughs> what I mean? Because it was just a lot of confusion. And then the daughter's going to argue with me about driving. If you don't get your ass on the other in the back, because you can't drive anyway, and he let us drive anyway. So right. I'm like, you being disobedient, we're trying to get out of there. But that right. girl done killed a whole lot of people. The daughter, you know, she done killed a whole lot of people, and she cool with it. You understand mm-hmm. what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So, And then the little boy running around like the great ape, making all the signs with the mask on his right. face. You know, and then I'm like... He's the only one that was kind of scary because he was the one that was just hopping around like that. Mm-hmm. So, um, girl, what would you do if you saw I, him hopping up to you? What? What would you do if you saw you him know, hopping I'm, up I'm, to you? I, I'm be hopping my behind the other direction <laughs> <laughs> and going. You know what I mean? Like it's just—I mean—that movie yeah. made seventy-two million dollars. Did it? It grew mm. seventy-two million dollars. You know wow. what I mean? It cost well, us seventeen fifty, and I went on a date. But the thing of it is, is that I, I mean, it was really great for him. I, you know, I was really happy for him. But I'm hoping that the next time he makes a movie, that it have a little more substance to it, and you will give us an understanding of what has happened. It didn't have any storyline to it. Right. You know, one minute yeah. we're on vacation, and next minute people are chasing us. You got a your your shadows coming sounding like Miss Jane Pittman. You got a kid that's running around with a mask. You know what I mean? You go into your friend's house. All the white yeah. people get killed. You see what I mean? The white lady's getting ready to kill you, but she decides to cut herself. I don't get it. You understand what I mean? So I mean, I was just lost in the sauce with the whole thing. Oh well, oh well. Um, next week, April the ninth, we have Miss Jen Slumack coming on. She has a book called Soul Not Skin, which is. It's really based upon a true story of her life. Um, deals with alcoholism, um, shame, sexuality, faith, and hope. Um, this young lady, this was so special yeah. about her. She actually contacted me. I want to say through Facebook, and she asked how she could be on her, how she could be on the show. And then um, she mm-hmm. was sharing her story, sharing her story with me. Um, and it, was just, it, was just, it was just heart touching. So she's going to be on next week, April the ninth. Um, do you have anything that, that you want to say, Paula? Well, I'm, this weekend, I'm going to a breakfast. Um, oh, yeah. So here are Kelly's um, ex-wife speak. So I'm excited about that. Mm-hmm. So I can't wait to come back and share. 
Yeah, exactly, exactly. So we definitely going to have you have you back on to talk about what Miss uh, what's her name Andrea Kelly is. Yeah. Talking about what she talked about. All right. Well, until next week, everybody, be blessed. Thank you for tuning in, and we'll see you next week. Thanks for tuning in to tonight's show. I hope you get a chance during the week to visit our site at livewithwill.com for up-to-date show information, including exclusive opportunities and exciting upcoming interviews. Be sure to tune in next week, same place, same time, for another informative show of real people, real topics, real talk. Let's face it, 